Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, I hope you had a really happy Christmas and that you had plenty of time enjoying your presents. Uh, this present here was given to me by my son, Anthony, and it really is very useful at this time of year, nice and snug and warm. So I thought I'd show off my Christmas present, amongst others. But it has been a great time for us, I think, over the last few weeks to uh, see some of the marvelous little cartoons and videos and reflect on the story of the Bible. And you know, in some ways, the Bible certainly is a story. It's, uh, it's quite interesting that it's not written like a kind of textbook explaining that's the way you must always behave. Yes, there are a couple of commands and instructions. That's no, there's no doubt about that. But actually, if you read through Genesis and then go the way through the Old Testament, is all about human beings, people, ordinary people, who God does extraordinary things in their lives. The story unfolds. And of course, we've just celebrated Christmas when Jesus, God himself, came down in human form and became part of the story. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about two women. They both had very important parts to play in my life. And I was obviously very young, as you'll see from the story of who they were uh, as I was growing up. The first one, her name is Betty. She was my mother, Betty Collins. Uh, Betty was born in the town of Hollywood. And uh, I know what you're going to say, she's a film star. No, no, no. This is only spelt with one L, and it is a little seaside resort. Uh, on the south shore of Belfast Loch. And she grew up there. Um, she was born in 1930. She grew up through very tough and hard years for this country when there was a lot of poverty around. And she had a little brother who was born with a, a problem. He was lame and needed a lot of attention. But her mother, Hannah, was a, a wonderful woman who made sure that she was well looked after and well cared for, and that uh, she, Hannah, loved Jesus. And she made sure that Betty came along to church and took part in Sunday school, took part in the brownies. I've still got a picture of her in her brownie uniform and all the other things and exciting things that people would do at church those days. Betty had a real ambition as she grew up. She was very bright and she wanted to teach. And uh, so at the age of 11, she sat a scholarship exam. In those days, there was no formal education for everybody all the way up to 18. It stopped about 13, 14 for most children. And uh, so she wanted to go to the grammar school in her town. And she actually got one of the, the places for that grammar school. In fact, the story goes, she was one of the top-placed girls in the county with that. So it gave her a wonderful opportunity to fulfill her ambition and dream to be a teacher. She went to that school during the war. And as the years went by in the war, uh, disease and other things came in. There was no National Health Service. And sadly, her mother, Hannah, died. Betty was only about 13 years old. And there was no benefits or any care services to look after. No, no. All of a sudden, her father and her young brother were left on their own. And Betty, at 13, had to become the mother. She went and took a job and went to serve behind a, a, a counter in a butcher's shop 
picking people's money behind a big screen, as some of you remember those days. Uh, and she then had to cook, wash, clean the house, make sure her little brother was picked up from school and cared for, everything that a mother would be expected to do, all beginning at the age of 13. Her dream was smashed. She had to be taken out of school, and she lost that place at the grammar school. She never got to go to university. But time passed by, and as she grew up, a boy called Bertie, literally from around the corner, uh, took a fancy to her, and uh, they became friends. And then they started to think seriously and get ready for marriage, and they, they started building their own house. And uh, after a year or two, they had most of it built. And then once they settled in, I came along. I was the eldest. And um, I was named after my father, Robert John. The trouble was that he had the same name, so they decided, Mum said, well, we'll call him Roy, just to make sure people know who the difference is about. Anyhow, Mum taught us several things. After a year, my next brother, Alan, was born. And then a year after that, Donard was born. And so I came home from school one day, and I found my mum on her knees in front of the couch, and I came up and touched her and said, are you, are you asleep? Are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you sick? And she looked at me and said, no, no, Roy, I'm praying for you all. Mum taught us how to pray. We had a prayer. She taught us the Lord's Prayer, which we would get on our knees by our bed and say, each of us together, on our own. And then she would say, teach us how to pray for each other. And the prayer went like this. God bless Mummy and Daddy, Roy, Alan, and Donard. Make us good boys and keep us safe from harm and help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we'd hop into bed. After a few years, that prayer got a bit longer because along came Janet and then Anne. So it was Roy, Alan, Donard, Janet, Anne. And by the time I was 15, I had had in Owen and Brian. Seven children, yes. Actually, mum taught us all to pray. We had her school, her class. But there was another lady uh, who became prominent in my life. At the age of around four, I went to primary school. And um, it's called reception these days. We called it P1, primary one class. And there I met Mrs. Cole. Now, Mrs. Cole also had some tragedy in her life. She'd been a teacher and married a young man, and uh, they had a couple of children. But then, sadly, he also died. And so she had to go back as a single parent to the school and start teaching again and try to bring her children up as well. But she had a class of us youngsters from East Belfast to teach uh, in our area. And uh, she went with us and taught us. Yes, we could learn how to read, write, and hold pencils and funny old pens with ink in the inkwell and all that and all over the place. But Mrs. Cole also made sure we learned our hymns to sing in assemblies and could pray and also to learn what we would need to do as part of our assemblies. Lord, thy word abideth and thy footsteps guideth who its truth believeth, light and joy receiveth. See, I can still remember the words of those hymns. And that one, of course, was all about the Bible. And so Mrs. Cole taught us to memorize the Bible. That was, that was what we called religious instruction in those days in our classroom. And we would stand up and we would have to learn overnight and then recite as a class together Isaiah 40. 
Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received double for all her sins. Yeah, and I could go on, honestly. I learned that, goodness me, 60-something years ago, and it still sticks. So there, those two ladies were shaping the lives of children to pray, to read and respect the Bible, and to understand it. And so our theme that Mike has introduced today is, again, all about the Bible. And you've seen some marvelous uh, videos to explain it further. Where did we go from there? Well, I went to the local school. I got 11 plus as well, and the school next door was a grammar school. And there were quite a lot of Christians there, a very strong Christian union. And they got at me sometimes, as you imagine they do, and tried to help me to faith and to understand that there was more to just reading the Bible, but to meet its author personally. And as I was in my school then, I did meet Christ. I came to him, and I was at home after having met other Christians in a youth party, and then sitting down at home alone with just me and my Bible. And as I read through, I came across the Sermon on the Mount. And I find these words in Matthew chapter 6, which say, What shall we do? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That night, in 1971, I knelt down by my bed and I prayed, just like Mum had taught me. But more so, God's word had spoken direct and I came through that to Jesus. It was as if Jesus himself was speaking direct to me. And that is what the Bible is really about, is it not? It's about understanding God's word. Jesus said to a very well scholared man who read his Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And he reminded this fellow, this chap, despite all his religious knowledge and he thought he knew the Bible, he hadn't let it touch his heart. And he said to this man, you must be born all over again. It's that dramatic when you took, put your trust in Jesus and in his word and in what God says. And if you take that verse and you take the word the world out and put your name in, suddenly it makes sense. For God so loved Roy, James, Alan, Donard, you, that he gave Jesus his only son, that if you, Roy, Alan, Donard, who, believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. You get at that moment. It is an amazing thing. And when I came to Jesus at the age of 17, I then sought to discover more and learn more. I went to university a couple of years later, and I met many others who were both Christians and many who were, who were not. And um, the, the thing was that we learned to do three things. We learned to read the story of God. Psalm 119 says, 
your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. God's word illuminates the way for us. And so with several other friends, I set about reading through the Bible. I was encouraged to get into it a bit more. In fact, as I was preparing for this, at the front of this Bible, which you probably can't see it, but it says to Roy from Mummy. And the thing is that this has been such a treasure through my life, and I have sought to learn much about it. And if you read it every day, you'll discover this. If you do three chapters a day and a few extra on Sunday, you can read through the entire Bible in one year. Now, that means if you do less, you'll take a bit longer, but you'll still get through it. And through a Bible reading scheme such as this, and it's quite fascinating to see this document, because in the front of it, I happened to write down when I had completed the Bible readings right through. And I would encourage you to do the same. Get some means. There's plenty of these around the internet all over the place where you can tick off each chapter each day. And I note that my brother and I and a friend had a little competition in 1972. We said, um, we'll see who can read the Bible through cover to cover first. I note I did it in one year, 52 days. I think my brother took slightly less. But there was a friend called John, and uh, he did it in four months. It won't surprise you that he's a Church of Ireland minister these days. But um, the key thing is not just to discover one little bit of it, but to discover the whole pattern, to discover that God loves us from the word go in Genesis, has died to save us, came on Christmas Day, but rose on Easter Day to bring us all that wonderful news and salvation. Read the story. The second thing, though, isn't just to read it, but to live the story. The Bible says it is written for uh, all kinds of things, but that it was inspired or God-breathed. It's his very words that are breathed into the writers of these books, and that it is profitable for doctrine, that is teaching, to understand who God is. It is profitable for correction, that is to apply to our hearts and to our lives and adjust as we hear God's voice speaking. And then it says, for training in righteousness, in being like Jesus. So we need not just to read it and get to know it all, but to live it, live the story. Finally, if Mrs. Cole, my mum, and the many others who I bumped into hadn't bothered to share the story with me, I wouldn't be here. If nobody had shared it with you, you wouldn't be here, at least not as part of this church. It is so important to pass the good news on. Yes, treat it like the most advanced stage of coronavirus. Make it infectious. Because if we don't pass this good news on, nobody will hear and enjoy the true salvation, the peace, the forgiveness that Jesus gives if you don't come to him and if you don't understand it. The thing is, the psalm that was read earlier on begins with the words, the heavens are telling the glory of God. If you go out on a starry night, you think, wow. 
But then many people go out on starry nights and they say, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm, this all busted just bunched together by accident. Despite the wonder and beauty of nature, nature doesn't tell us who God really is. That many people have confused ideas. But no, nature shows us somebody great made this. But the Bible is the only way we get to meet the author of the universe. The Bible is the only way we get to understand him. And so it is literally God's word. Steve Finnamore, uh, principal of Bristol uh, Baptist College, shared with us a few weeks back uh, some insights that we can do many great things and live lives as believers. But if we don't explain why we are believers, if we don't explain the good news about Jesus, we're not making any sense. We're starving the neighborhood, the community we're in, of the truth, the real nature of who God is, that they too might come through God's word to meet him personally. So can we all have three resolutions this coming new year? Number one, Read the Bible, get into it, get through it. Even if it takes more than, who cares? Get into it. Secondly, live the Bible. Get into a high script, fellowship, or other activity so that you can discuss with others and learn and befriend others who take up uh, and apply God's word. And thirdly, share the story. Make sure that, well, why not make a challenge that this coming year, I will pray and I will seek one person who I can share the good news with about Jesus. And I will encourage them to embrace the news of Jesus and who he is and why he died, rose again, and is coming for them, that they might have this same faith and learn to pray, to discover God's word and to grow and be the men, the women, the boys and girls that we ought to be, but that wonderfully God enables us to be through his word, through fellowship, prayer, and through just being in Jesus. May God bring you to that point if you're not there yet, and may he bring each one of us with resolution to get on and read, live, and share. In Jesus' name, amen.